And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. She's six feet, two inches of pure dynamite. Burn it. Cleopatra Jones. She is sticking her nose in my business sack. And when trouble goes down in her old neighborhood. <laughs> when the man gets played against her friends. Put that on me. And the heaviest cats in town make the scene. This mama will explode. I'll take care of Cleopatra Jones. Man, that fraud is ten miles of bad room. That's right. This isn't exactly your jurisdiction. My jurisdiction extends from Ankara, Turkey to White's Tower, baby. Tamara Dobson. You dig it? Bernie Casey. If they want this house, they gotta bring something to get something. And Shelly Winters. <laughs> the honeymoon is over. Cleopatra Jones. Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. And you are here for episode 125. 125. Well, I know. It's and uh, we we are here joined by not one, but two guests. One is a returning guest named Gary Washington. Gary, how's it going? Hey, how's it going, guys? And he was on for our Bleeding Ham episode about a year ago. Right. And uh, I was going to say Gary is my uh, co-founder in, in Bleeding Ham. Right. And uh, uh, just general partner in crime. Right on. And also, we're joined by Robert Lashley. Robert is a is a local poet and a, a big aficionado of our topic today. Robert, how's it going? How's it going, everyone? Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm sure everyone's listening, saying you've talked a lot for the last minute or so. And what the fuck are you guys talking about? What we were talking about is black exploitation films, specifically a genre of film that was mostly popular in the early '70s through the early '80s. I want to say. Right. There's been resurgence. There's, now yeah, I mean, there's always been uh, movies um, that 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 visit this, but th- you're right. I think that that was the golden period. Would you agree, Robert? Yeah, from about 1970 until the really crappy second um, um, wave. Wave. Yeah, we're still seeing some of that with. Uh, you know, Black Dynamite. And well, Black Dynamite's a, a parody. It's well, a I'm, I'm saying, but it's it's as close as we're getting now. Um, yeah. Uh, you kind of see a little of the same aesthetic in the Get Down. Um, a a little bit. A little, yeah. a little in yeah. the in the fact That's of more like eighties, like late 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 seventies, late seventies, yeah. early eighties, well, just breaks. Right. But um, in some of the characters, you yeah. do see some black exploitation dynamics. Yeah. 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 Well, it's it's TV, so clearly I don't yeah. watch it. <laughs> Tom Tom doesn't like TV. He's he's not seeing the game. I forgot about Cadillac. Yeah. Little, little but uh, but yeah. you know it's it's interesting. I 
I in the going through the um, audio for this episode, right? It's it's really weird to look at a lot of the language and a lot of the the tropes of the genre through our eyes now, because right. it all seems very very stylized and very. Uh, uh, it does. It feels weird as a as a white guy repeating a lot of the, like choosing dialogue for our intro was really That's difficult. Weird. Yeah, it was it was very difficult to choose something that that didn't seem um, cliche or. Well, the thing I think that I think the reason I, the reason that it, I mean it, it, it's I think the movies well some of them, but I think in general the movies weren't being. Uh, not true. I mean, everybody that I knew in that time well, spoke that way. Right. And uh, well, maybe and Robert was... could speak to that. I wonder how much of, <laughs> of how, how much of the the aesthetic is is culture passed through what it would be allowable by the people who were bankrolling the films, i.e., the studio. You know what I'm saying? Right. I like, I don't know that they they act, they would. A lot of the black exploitation stuff, especially, would accurately portray what it was like growing up in the '70s as a black man or woman. Is that fair to say, or am I just being? I'm out in the weeds. I think that there were so many mini eras, like between '71 through '74, '74 through '77, that it, you have to take certain films and certain styles of black exploitation. As, on a case-by-case basis. Hmm. I think that that the defenders and critics of certain forms, of certain strains of black exploitation films um, could point to films to, 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 to like, to burnish their point, and they'd, and they'd both be right. Okay, gotcha. Well, it was like, Gary, you and I were talking about this the other day, that, like, um, something like Superfly is not really a realistic film, whereas something like The Mac um, might be is, is way more realistic, yeah? Right, and I think that, that we were talking about, uh, as, as you know, politics and media at the time demanded, or the, the growing trend, or not growing trend, but the ongoing trend was not blacks in the media, you know, it's like this was the only angle in to movies, so... Right. That I, to speak frankly, a lot of these films weren't exactly designed for white audiences, you know. So they, you know, they were like catered to that. And then every once in a while, they got a studio to bankroll it, and kind of like anything that gains popularity, uh, they they only saw the most gaudy traits of it. So then you started having more ridiculous, aestheticized uh, stories like. Uh, well, you know, basically just slap some black on it, like uh, Dr. Jekyll and sure. Mr. Black. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, I mean, like, I actually like Blackula, but, uh, but you know, I actually like Sugar Hill. But there was a point in time afterwards where it wasn't so much about the art and it was just about the money and what's sold to the masses, right? So when you take a film like Superfly and a film like The Mac, they were coming from two different places of heart and telling two types of story. Now, as time has gone by, and I can't speak for the whole black community, but I can speak for myself, the Mac holds more uh, resonance about the black experience on an urban level like that because it was filmed by a documentarian type of dude, mm. not a not a, a studio where there's some some guy doing karate. You know, and let's say, I mean, because let's let's not talk bad about Superfly. I mean, Superfly has Curtis Mayfield 
And that was a revolutionary soundtrack, right? Sure. It was a revolutionary soundtrack. And the soundtrack also gained its weight because it was a critique of the movie itself. Exactly. Right. So, well, But remember, Shaft came before that, before <coughs> Superfly. So, a year before, so, yeah. Yeah, so you got Isaac Hayes really laying the groundwork for a lot of this stuff. You know, but the thing of it is, is that we, other than Mario Van Peebles, I'm trying to think of another black filmmaker of the time. I mean, most of, a lot of these were made by people like Melvin. Jack Hill. Like Bruh. Melvin. 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 Sorry, sorry. Mario's dad, man. I know. Well, yeah. Mar- Mario played his dad in in uh, Sweet Badasses, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but uh, other than him, like I, I, a black filmmaker in the '70s making these kind of films doesn't well, spring to mind. And but, also the fact that we have to remember that the last uh, part of this genre is the word exploitation. So it's there. It's it going. Was, it's going to be there to sort of. Exploit yeah, but I think it. I think that Melvin got the. Melvin got the ball rolling, and he got it rolling well, super indie. Now, he, I, I'm not saying and chronologically, right. but he, he got this kind of... His movie drew a lot of attention. Sure it did. And uh, and it spoke to... This is what I got from, from watching these movies um, in the 70s and, and later, um, is that it was like everything else that was going on at the time, this kind of... Uh, lashing back at the establishment whatever whatever that meant for you mm-hmm. um if that meant that you know uh, you're um oh you know fighting against the vietnam war or if you're um george romero trying to make this little whatever whoever you were in in whatever your sphere of existence was you were you there was this this striking back against the establishment mm-hmm. i think that I think the filmmakers, whether they were white or black, making these movies, knew that, and they knew that the the one of the elements that you're exploiting isn't just the fact that these movies are full of black people, mm-hmm. but that oftentimes it's black people striking back against the white establishment, or at least that's a certain vein of these types of movies. And to add on that, black people coming out on top, right. black people being romantic figures, black people being the hero. The first part of the 70s, you had black men being the hero. The second part of the 70s, you had people <coughs> like Pam Greer being the hero. Sure, right. Tamara Thompson, Dobson. Yeah, Tamara uh, Dobson. Dobson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I see a lot of parallels between these movies and a movie that Bruce did, Bruce Lee, mm-hmm. um, in the Chinese Connection, mm-hmm. um, or uh, yeah, and then and, and also the you know, some of the stuff being done in the Philippines, like you know Big Doll House, and right. Big Bird Cage, and that kind of thing. Right. Again, Jack Hill, who went on to to make a lot of these. Right. Um, Those uh, movies were different because they were they kind of uh, they were doing women's exploitation films. Right. 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 And black exploitation film. Well, kind of I kind of feel like Enter the Dragon works in the same absolutely. vein. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, you know, and this is something a lot of listeners have heard us talk about a lot is when you continue to peel layers back and layers back, it was, it was it's the hero's journey. It's continually right. the hero's journey. And for a lot of, like, for, for speaking as a white guy, it was a a lot of these films were kind of a window into a whole other world that I had no idea that was going on. I mean, I lived in a little 
suburbs of San Jose, California, you know. Right. Uh, uh, but now suddenly I'm seeing the, the streets of New York and I'm seeing this whole sort of culture thing that I didn't even know existed. Um, uh, and it was so cool, you know, because maybe because it was so alien to me, but it was very, very cool. Right. Um, I love that according to a list I have here, two of the first... In 1907, two of the first films that got made, they 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 actually consider they call me Mr. Tibbs, a black exploitation film, and also Cotton Comes to Harlem, which is one of my favorites. Cotton Comes to Harlem, yeah, and there was a sequel to that. Mr. Um, Tibbs, come back, Charleston, something. Come back, Charleston Blue. Yeah, Charleston Blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soundtrack by Donny Hathaway. Yeah, it's it's a sequel to Cotton Comes to Harlem. (coughs) Um, so good, so much fun. See, talk about empowered. You know, black men—they're—they're—they're they're everything that Eddie Murphy talked about in Forty Eight Hours. You know, I'm a black man with a badge. Right. You know. The um um, I'm glad that you brought Con comes to Harlem up, and I'm glad you 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 brought up Comeback Charleston Blue. I think the 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 what what outside critics call I'm sorry. What outside critics call the the kitchen sink drama, I I have an affinity for because you you're you are you see some stories about the interior of urban black lives like and there's 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 always been that kind of strain in the 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 better black exploitation films such as um, like across 112th Street. Um, That's a great um, and and I, I, some people don't call this a black exploitation film. Some people do. A uh, uh, coolie high. Um, mm. I think um, coolie high is my jam. The yeah. like, <laughs> like the, the, I where you have um, people talking about like the inner life of 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 hoods that that held more truth to me than respectability politics narratives. Sure. Let me let me ask both of you guys, um, because I know what it did for me as as a little white kid watching this stuff. Did watching black exploitation movies and again realizing that it it depends on which movie or it depends on which, which certain brand of, of these movies. Um were they inspirational? Was it inspirational to see um, uh, a black hero? Or was it inspirational to see um, uh, just black lives being shown, which up to that early point in the 70s, there wasn't a lot of on television or, I mean, when did yeah. when did, I don't know, when did Good Times start on television? Like, uh, late 70s, but you know, you did see some of that, like remember Mod Squad? Right. Oh, that's yeah. true. That's true. That was, yeah, well, okay. the 60s. My squad like, was hit. But but what? But for you guys, what what did it mean? For me, and I don't mean to get too anecdotal, and I'm going to keep it short. Uh, growing up in a African American household in the 80s, these were uh, films that came to VHS right when the video stores were just hitting. Right. So there was this wave of nostalgia from my aunties and uncles. Right. They were grabbing this because that's what they grew up on. And they were bringing it back to share with me. Now, this was great because, uh, you know, I, I went from, like, Rambo and Airwolf and Tales from the Dark Side, all the usual horror stuff, and I switch over to some tropes that I hadn't seen before. Now, 
Uh, Jim Kelly, for instance, is one of my, my favorite characters of this genre, right? Or not character, actors of this genre. And I seen him in Enter the Dragon, and then I saw, uh, what was it, Black Belt Jones? Black Belt yeah. Jones. Yeah. And then there was another one, you know, and basically Hot what potato. I love about these movies is a lot of these, like, action, like you guys say, the hero story, it all revolves around the dojo or the community center being messed with by the local gangsters, you know what I mean? Sure. And, uh, so, uh, like, juxtaposition to that, I would see things like Black Caesar in the Mac, where, like, here goes this rise and fall of a character who's charismatic, who had these abilities. So it's kind of like a cautionary tale, right, you know? And then you have the ridiculousness of uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Black because that was just, well, it was silly fun, right, you know? And uh, and then uh, there was uh, one particular guy that stood out to me, uh, Yafe Koto in The Monkey Hustle, man. This guy, I don't know if anybody's ever seen The Monkey Hustle, but it, it was, I don't, it's like really early 70s. And uh, basically, uh, I'm not going to tell you the story of it, but... You know, it's a kind of save the kids kind of thing. And if you know Yap and Koto, I guess for our, uh, me and Langley's genre, and you too, Tom, for sure. We know him from Alien, you know, and uh, that sure. movie. But he was also in Across 110th Street as well. And, yeah, and right. Well, several yeah, others. Later on, he was in some movie where he was investigating, like, a racist murder or something. Oh, yeah, he was on the... On, uh, Commissioner. Right. Yeah. yeah. Homicide so, Life on the Streets, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. It, and then he showed up in uh in uh, Running Man too, right? Yeah. yeah so he yeah. was already hot. He was already a hot commodity to me. So to see him young, and uh, like you said, there's a certain vernacular that comes with these movies, right? And like some are more ridiculous than others, but you could tell that this was from the streets at the time. You know what I mean? I mean, like we've been sitting here talking about black exploitation, but we ain't talked about my dude, Dolomite. Well, <laughs> we're gonna get to all, you know, all of that stuff, <laughs> Dolomite. Um, Robert, how, Robert, how about you? There are two truths for me that stand. The first truth is that <clears throat> there are so many movies of that era that are in my cultural DNA that I take to heart. That um, that 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 I just that I that that that's just part of my culture every day. I walk the way I walk because of the, the 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 final scene in Shaft, um, <laughs> like the um, like, the, and the second truth is is that when black exploitation got cliched, and it became this sort of avalanche of stereotypes, and when the cautionary tale, the, the, the narrative in black exploitation films ended up being a, a more of a glamorization tale in, in later films and and where, like, people kind of just got sick of it, uh, like, to the point where Hollywood Shuffle in the in 1987 had to be made where it, it is the kind of a, 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 a murderous parody of uh, a part of Hollywood Shuffle. It is a murderous parody of a bad Black exploitation film. Sure. You know that you know Robert Townsend, his character says in the hypothetical movie, "I ain't be got no weapon, man." And then the director's like, uh, "Can we get you to black it up a little bit more?" <laughs> yep. <laughs> but a little bit of with the Harlem Shuffle, though. I think Townsend sort of has his cake and eats it too. He he gets to poke fun, but still get all get all get a lot of the benefit of that of that whole reference reference space. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, mm -hmm. while he's busy busy referencing he's he's a making fun of it but he's also you know sort of uh 
not an homage, and it's not really it's not out and out parody like like let's say right. uh, what's the I always You're fuck getting, up that title the the <coughs> don't drink your juice in the hood thing whatever that is yeah like, stop minutes while you drink your juice yeah. in the hood like, first one I'm gonna get you sucker I'm yeah, gonna get yeah. sucker yeah 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 Townsend actually did Townsend actually did two of them. Two black exploitation parody. The second one's more of an homage, where you have people like Bernie Casey and Jim Brown and Isaac Hayes. Jim Brown, girl. Jim yeah. Brown. That is another Jim subject. Water yeah. um, man. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, the first one, the Hollywood Shuffle, was more of just kind of like I like like I'm I'm going to have to shank this bad black exploitation stereotype film just to get it out of my system, get get that anger out of my system. Hmm. You know, I'm gonna get you sucker is more of a loving homage. I agree, agree. Right, but right. much like Black Dynamite was. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Jim Brown, starts to make me like kind of trail off and think about uh, issues of black masculinity and black exploitation's influence on black masculinity, man. Yeah. Sure. You know, for for so. better or worse. I, it's it's up for debate. It's yeah. it's, it's, up for debate. it's 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 both. Like yeah. the the best thing about about, <laughs> about Jim Brown is that like he. For a time, he had movies where he was in a position of power and, and dignity and fighting. And the, the worst thing about Jim Brown is that he had movies where, you know, he basically, you know, like some brothers don't want freedom. Some brothers just want to hold the whip. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the same way, like Fred Williamson, you know, I would never, a lot of those, like with the, uh, take the hard ride or whatever it is. Well, the thing about uh, Fred Williamson is, I, I think he's a heroic figure in in life as well as his characters, because he made it a priority to be in charge of what is being done with him mm-hmm. in the film, and that's yep. why he started his own uh, production company, Po'boy um, Productions. Mm-hmm. And yep. what was his what was his his list of rules? I n- I never get killed. I always get the girl. I always get the girl. Something else. But but he, he, he was like he's like look this is this is me and this is who I'm going to be and you know and he doesn't change from film to film and he he his character Why he? he yeah he doesn't he's a hammer he doesn't have a <laughs> a, a character that stops with the cigar for example because the cigar's always there. Okay, I have a question for you guys real quick about this. Yeah. Um, one, is Mandingo a some sort of like prequel fetishization black exploitation film? Since it's pretty wild with well, the stereotypes and, and two mahogany, is that anti black exploitation? What do we what do we categorize mahogany with Billy D. Williams is? I don't know. I other than bio well I, you know, I don't know that I don't know that it was exploitive in the fact that right, right, right. It told the, it told the facts. Sorry, um, I'm just looking at like what what films were not like that that were of note from that era. You know what I mean? Well, I mean even early on. Um, well, I mentioned they call me Mr. Tibbs. That's more like police procedural than it is right. black exploitation. Yeah, right, for sure, for sure. Yeah, you know, um, I'm looking at a, trying to look at a couple of others. The, the horror what's the, stuff. What's the, what's the famous movie um, with um, Lena Horne uh, doing... Uh, Stormy Weather? Yeah. <coughs> I don't know. That's a famous Cabin movie. In the, Cabin in the Sky. There we go. Was it? No. Yeah. No, that wasn't Cabin in the Sky, was it? It wasn't Cabin in the Woods. 
She would have been great in that. <laughs> no, no, no. This was like in the 40s or 50s, not not early on. And uh, but but it was famous because oh, in the it, sky. It sounds like Kevin in the sky. sky. It sounds like Kevin in the sky. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Forty-one. Yeah. I hear, yeah. Another one that I would say that doesn't fit is 1974. Space is the place with Sun Ra and his intergalactic solar orchestra. Dude, that thing's trippy. Have you seen yeah, it? It's wild. Yeah. No, but it's I not. Oh, it's great. First of all, Sun Ra is nuts, and that's in an awesome way. Yeah. The, the creative <laughs> genius way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say, you know, I, I, we were asking, you know, what what uh, a lot of these films meant to you guys. To to, to me, they were uh, they were movies about, um, in my eyes, people who were infinitely cooler than I was. Sure. And uh, I, I actually, there was a period of time where I had this inferiority complex because I was white. Because the the really cool people that I would see in movies that were getting shit done were people of color, mm-hmm. and uh, so for me these movies I think maybe even more so uh, are their empowerment films. Absolutely. Because I always felt like I didn't belong wherever I was, mm-hmm. and when you looked at you know the Hollywood mainstream. It seemed like these guys didn't belong, but here they were uh, doing their thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know. For uh, since we've gone around the table, I'll also say that for me, growing up without a dad, it was always about a search for what is a man, mm-hmm. how does a man act, how what are a man's morals, and for me, growing up, there was no real difference in the the hero and the male role model that I found in Andrew the Dragon than right. there was for the Mac or or anything else or even later on it became Wuxia and it became a lot of that stuff so right. for me it was all once I see oh hero's journey where I'm signed on and this is just another shuttle, subtle shade right. of the same answer that answers the question of what is it to be a man so right. for me it, it was always about yeah, I mean, given their situation, this is the, the, their reality. Let's find a way to be noble within that framework. Right. Um, uh, and it helped me. It helped me. And, and I agree with you. Growing up, I was always like, well, clearly th- th- this is a, a there is some poverty here, but they they seem to have their it was uh, their own culture, and there was a, a love there, and there was family, and there was honor, right. and all of that stuff. You were learning that. That these people were people, and not what you saw. Because again, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Pumped California. Pumped you from, say, for yeah, example, yeah. the news, or right, right. right. It, well, I wasn't until later when I when we when we moved to like Japantown, and it became more sort of multicultural. Sure, that it was different. Um, do we have favorites? Do we want to go around and talk about favorites, or sure. we, or do you want to talk more about impact? No, I think I mean I, I unless somebody's got some closing things about impact of these films and 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 the uh, um, well, clearly have, impact us for yeah go ahead. I have one closing thing to say about impact. Sure, and I'll I'll be very concise. I grew up in the Hillside Terrace housing projects in Hilltop and Tacoma. Okay, and I grew up in a time where, in regards to respectability politics in regards to pop culture, in regards to so many 
messages in so many shows in regards to the Cosby show and so many, um, so much cultural pressure was telling me that where I grew up was scum and was nothing and there was no inner life. And for me to, quote unquote, be a full human being, I had to be, quote unquote, be suburban. I had to be the crossover. I had to not be myself. Now, as much as I have some, um, I have some 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 hesitancies about some of the films on the black exploitation era. The reason that the black exploitation era still has an impact it was is that it was one of the few, one of the very few idioms that showed black people them more of themselves than than any than almost any pop culture idiom, genre, or form in the last 40 years. Gotcha. I also, I also think that um, it's, it's important, and, and I, I've seen a lot of interviews with actors who, who always want to bring this up. You know, they, they sometimes are, people kind of look down on those films, or they look at the, you know, they look at Pam Greer's early career, and they say to her, you know, are, does it? Are, do you ever look back and you're ashamed of you know these low budget things? And she's like, no, for God's sakes, no. I was a black actress. Yeah. Needing work. Uh, and her community ain't ashamed of her either. No, they're yeah. not. No, are you kidding? Yeah. Well, look at look at the reverence with which even Tarantino handled her and Jackie Brown. Right. Right. You know, yep. you know, just, I mean, there's a, I mean, there's a guy who who gets this this genre well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it's evidence is particularly in um, Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown, yeah. yeah. Which I've I, 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 I talked about it before, but I I, I think it's his best film. It's, I, 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 uh, but anyway, yeah, that that's that's fair to say. I mean, the only thing I would add to that would be maybe with the karate and chop sake movies and their influence on culture and and, and our perception of culture with with Asian Americans. Right. Um, it comes a a, a close. A pretty close second to to the impact of black exploitation. I would agree with that. Um, I, I'm not gonna lie. I, mean, I felt like the the 70s and before before the uh, the big glamorization of the stereotypes, it was it was more of a bloom or a flourish for uh, black culture and media. Whereas the 80s were kind of bland again, and it seemed like there was this huge pushback against this past. So that everybody was afraid to create, and then everybody started shaking it off again back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. We're just now starting to see clever stuff again and yeah. awesome stuff again. Well, you know, the, the 70s gave us things like Superfly and the Mac, and 80s gave us Action Jackson. So Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right, kind of right. where we're at there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, but they did give us The Last Dragon, so. Yeah, man. I, you, I That's watched... the exception that proves the rule. Right. Yeah, I, it, it escapes me. I, I watched The Last Dragon just within the last two weeks, uh -huh. not in anything to do with this uh, this episode, and I still love that movie. Really? Yeah. I, I, I know it's silly. I know it's a silly movie. It's so good. I've tried it, so it, many times. It has like a blaxploitation kind of plot, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> but like the 80s sensibilities of the dancing kids in the community centers, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, that's that's Clockwork Orange time for me. <laughs> <laughs> I've well, never. I mean, we were really stoked about the soundtrack, man. Soundtracks push a lot of these films. Oh sure, look yeah. at Car Wash. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm going to say one of my favorites, and this probably isn't a surprise because I like martial arts movies, and that's Black Belt Jones. Of course. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I love Black Belt Jones. I think it's the best of Jim Kelly's, um, well, uh, those the, type of movies. When he's when he starts slapping cops around, yeah, like, come on, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And and again, it's got an amazing soundtrack. I still like yeah. that 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 opening. I think it's Lalo Schiffer did that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. Do, 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 do. it's man. It's, Is this the one where they shove uh, the a ball in Pop's mouth, right? I can't remember. I remember that? Yeah, I think probably. Probably it was because because yeah. there was a sequel called Hot Potato, and yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't nearly as good. good. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. You know my my and this is this is kind of weird, but uh, my biggest childhood memory of Jim Kelly is him fighting in that car wash. <laughs> yeah. You know, talking about all the stuff. Yeah. That was a great scene, man. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I digress. Whenever I think Jim Kelly, I think you know, uh, when trouble whatever when when trouble comes, I'll be too busy looking good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Or, or the other one was you come right out of a comic book. Yeah, you come right out of a comic book. Yeah. <laughs> You know, as soon right. as I see that, well, I just that guy, I just think that too. the ghettos of the world are all the same. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! When, on the sandpan, of the dragon, when they're when he's just looking at all the people living on on the Chinese junks, and it's yeah, it's so it's just you, it's everything you need about that character yeah. in that one sentence. Yep. It's yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Let's see. Anybody else with something that one of their their favorites? What's it? Yeah, something that's a favorite or something you think people should know yeah, about. Here's something that, that I, I've never heard of. Has anyone ever seen Darktown Strutters from 1975? No. I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it. Here's what I was... It was, it was produced by Roger Corman's brother, directed by William Whitney. Here's the synopsis. A Colonel Sanders-type figure with a chain of urban fried chicken restaurants is attempting to wipe out the black race by making them infinite through his drugged fried chicken. What? <laughs> I don't know. It was on my list. I've never heard of that. And now I set my mission to find well, it. Well, just the fact that it's Roger Corman's yeah. brother yeah. and not Roger <laughs> Corman. <laughs> I feel yeah. so good Roger Corman passed on it. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like, yeah. Oh, I'm sure it's I, terrible. But it's one of those train wrecks. I think I need to have in my future. You need to see. Yeah, yeah I think I like need to see guys. the protagonist of this film. Yeah, right? I need. Yeah, like yeah. we need. We need to you have like some dude slapping a drumstick away. I mean, like, is this is where it's getting ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> somebody should have like a no, black, no, no, Somebody should have like a black mystery science theater three thousand. Right. Oh, that would be. Right. You know what oh, I've always man. said. I've always said that they should do a mystery science theater on like HBO, where you can do R-rated films and you can cuss. Yeah. Yeah. That they, would be funny. They kind of do it. Doug Benson kind of does it with his Benson interruption, but that would well, be do great. You, do you guys, do you remember a magazine called Badass Mofo? Yeah. Um, it, it was, they had the logo with Bruce on the turntable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And, yeah. And it was, uh, uh, it was a magazine largely devoted to black exploitation films, but it was just any anybody that they considered a badass mofo mm-hmm. was covered in the magazine. It was a print magazine. The the print magazine doesn't exist anymore, but it, but it's still <laughs> a it's no, but it's still an online presence. Just look up oh, badass. It? Yeah, it's B A D A Z Z mofo. Oh God, yeah, I now get I I rem- they used to have old copies at Cemetery's Barbershop. There we go. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that was a great magazine. Yeah. It was yeah. cool. Uh, yeah. I, yep. 
I, I just recently saw uh, Black Belt, uh, not Black Belt Jones, um, Cleopatra Jones, and uh, didn't know that there was a sequel called uh, Shit. I don't remember that one. <laughs> Keep talking. I don't remember. I I don't remember that there was a sequel to Cleopatra Jones. There was, but I'm sure I'm sure there was. But it did anybody watch it? Yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's, it's Cleopatra Jones in the Casino of Gold in 1975. I actually have a copy of it here, but I've never seen it. Um, yeah, uh, she goes to Turkey and goes after more heroin dealers, and yeah, would you? I'd be interested in seeing that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that'd be cool. Well, did yeah. we did we like Cleopatra Jones? Yes, yes. it was she easy. Tamara Dobson was one of those characters that I remember young Tom liking a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, just she's, going like, look at her. She's gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, and I, I typified by the kid with the kid, uh, uh, something sweet sister. So <laughs> something. So, so yeah. Anyway. Just great, absolutely great. It's in the it's in the opening of the the show. I use the right. the trailer for that, but it's there. Uh, let's see. Do you, anybody anybody else want to throw out some titles? And that seems to be working. Gary, what's a what's a a title? My favorite are always going to be the Mac and Blackula man. Yeah. You know what? You hear a funny story. We met William Marshall at a con once. Oh yeah. And, my, and I was so excited to meet Blackula. I was like, oh my god, it's Blackula. And my daughter could not have cared because before her was the king of cartoons. And that was a big deal. Uh, so my daughter, she was a, it was a big deal. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I forgot that he was the king he of cartoons. He was the cartoons. king of dark cartoons on Pee Wee for a long oh, time. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. It was so funny because he sat her up. He picked her up and put, him on a, put her on his lap. And, and, he, and he said, let the cartoons begin. And it was really <laughs> great. Uh, have you guys seen the Mac? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did you guys see the making of it? No, I have not seen the making of it. That so, I would love to see. It, it, you, the making of it is very interesting because it was filmed in Oakland at a time when the Black Panthers had control over that area, right? And so they uh, they actually got permission from the hustler that they dedicated to in the beginning. And uh, the, basically he gave this documentary, the guy that was like an Italian director that was used to directing documentaries, right? Yeah. And Huey Newton wasn't feeling these guys coming in shooting this. And he also wasn't feeling the fact that uh, this pimp basically was a pimp, right? Uh, the bear, whatever. So the guy that you see in the dedication at the beginning was a pimp. They gave these documentary filmmakers basically access to make this black exploitation film about the life of pimps, right? So um, they started running into, like, real problems, like... Uh, they didn't pay Huey Newton some money. Hotel doors were getting kicked in. People were getting robbed. <coughs> they would be on set and, like, Black Panthers would come and start throwing bricks from the top of buildings and stuff. And uh, eventually, the guy who, who got who got them into that world because he was a pretty high-time gangster, he got killed before the the, uh, the movie was released. And this is right when Huey Newton started to become an evil piece of shit. Right. Yeah. Because he was trying <laughs> to run a racket up against this movie, and they're fighting they're fighting these Black Panthers, uh, or his his like. Uh, distorted segment of it that it became, yep. you know, during the racketeering phase of this stuff, they're fighting that to keep making this film. And and I don't think they ever figured out who killed the Black Pimp, but, you know, the speculation is pretty hard that it was the Black Panthers. You see what I mean? Yeah. So the, the the movie has this way to And then something else that was really interesting about it is Max Julian's mom died the year before, and so he had this incredible sadness that he hadn't shaken yet. 
And if you look at that on the screen, mm. that's why he's so sad and melancholic through the whole movie because he was fresh off his own mother's death, and the screen and the, the movie has to do with the death of his mom. So it, it added that much more weight, you know. And you're like, sure. oh, I know that. Yeah. So I mean, and then uh, just a factoid about this whole thing: uh, the guy who played the white cop, they interviewed him, and he's like a little old white man and living in the Midwest now, and he's like. I don't really know if I like doing that film. I still get stopped by people, and they're like, you're that racist-ass cop. He's <laughs> like, man, it's just a movie. So that movie, uh, and, and then on top of that, it has basically that mid-'90s synthesizer West Coast gangster movement that lasted until, like, the early 2000s in hip-hop. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, when there was the uh, Pretty Tony, Yo Bitch Chose Me, and all of that, uh, we got to get rid of the pimps and the pushers and start all over, man. Those are all lines from the Mac, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. right. By the it way, was a very influential film, but it just didn't make that kind of exploitative splash at the time as Superfly with his uh, Eurocentric hair and escaping off to Europe at the end. Right. You know? uh, a couple of things. One, the documentary is called Mac and Ain't Easy, and this the Mac is the biggest grossing exploitation black exploitation film of all time. Wow. Bam. Bam. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, let's see. Um, um, well, I was gonna, you know, talking about that and how how the 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 Mac and the making of the Mac tied so heavily into what was what was going on, not just you know within this you know movie world. Um, I think that that's something that black exploitation films are really good at in that they are time capsules and they they really uh, you know they really speak to a time. You know, we were talking about the dialogue and how people talk and clothes and all that stuff like these movies more than most that I can think of are a, a glimpse into here's what was happening now you know right. so and you not, to, and not to uh, not to get all excited about the Maximore but the, all of the players and pimps you see in that at the players ball and in the domino halls in the beginning right. none of that is actors that's just right. them film so crew going in hey. just filming the scene Hey, you know, you mentioned that with that, um, that the guy who played the white cop had run into in his life. I spoke with William Sanderson once at a San Diego Comic-Con, and everyone wanted to talk to him about Blade Runner and everything else. And I right. go, we need to talk about Run for Your Life. Have you, Has anyone ever seen, have we all seen Run for Your Life? Uh, Home Invasion flick with William Sanderson, where uh, three convicts go into a house uh, owned by a black family. And just terrorize them for ninety minutes until they spoiler until they rise up and kill them all. Beat the shit out. It's of them. one of the most jaw dropping films you'll ever see. Uh, um, but, I haven't seen it. No. Oh my god, dude! It's it's literally the guy from Newhart being so completely uh, racist. Yeah. And um, uh, it's an it's an amazing film. And he got a lot of shit for that later on. Like uh. A lot of people come back and he goes, you know, when you first mentioned Run For Your Life, I thought you were going to tell me what a t- terrible person I was. <laughs> and no, it was it was an s- important film back then because sure. um, it brought to light that kind of thinking. Henry Rollins has, has gotten the same shit from his... Uh, his uh, Season or two on um, Sons of Anarchy. Really? Because he's a he's a skinhead in, okay. in the show. Henry Rollins. There's a stretch. Yeah. Not well, yeah, that I mean, he is, but he can fill. Right. Like, yeah. See, that's not big of a. Go ahead. It's, it's not so. It's not so hard to uh, to believe. I mean, like when we went to Crypticon that last time, uh, when I when I saw you guys at 2016, I kept calling Michael Bean Hicks, man. Like, Hicks, I love yeah. you, man. Yeah. You know, so like we, yeah, I got to see that happening, but. 
it is kind of interesting the side effect of, from black exploitation with white people then afterwards. Like, oh, I remember your ass. <laughs> you, you racist, <laughs> mother- <laughs> you, know, you racist motherfucker. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. Another another title that I uh, found in my research for this, um, uh, it was based on Sam Greenlee's novel. It's called The, the Spook Who Sat by the Door. Yep. Where a black man is taken to the CIA and, and trained on all of their methods, and then he uses all that and goes and joins like a like a sort of a Black Panther organization and uses all of that. Uses all that. Uh, I, it was I, reportedly I, pulled from distribution um, yep. because of its politically controversial message. You um, might be the tenth white person in my life who's talked about this. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> no, yeah. Is that, is that, yeah. I mean, like, do you deal with a lot of white people so that the tenth white person is a lot, or is that a no? That's small. That's amount? a very small amount. <laughs> okay. yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm honored. Look so at like, me. Yeah. <laughs> Good on you. All right, I, I I have to bring up a movie, and I I think it has two titles. Um, neither You're not about which, the coonskin, are you? Coonskin? Uh, no, oh no. Bash, no, but I love Coonskins. It's Ralph Bakshi. Come it's on, Ralph Bakshi. It's great. Go ahead. Um, that, that move, we should talk about that. Because we that will. Move. We will. But okay. I got I to gotta get this one out of the way because okay. people would get mad at us if we didn't bring it up. And I don't remember the name of the movie. Great. It's the movie where the guy, uh, his, his dick kills white people, kills white men. <laughs> white Dude. men? Yeah. Do, do, does anybody else remember this? I do not remember this. Oh my god! There were so many sweet dick Willie scenarios it's in Black Exploitation. Did you just call it sweet dick Willie? There are so yeah, many sweet dick Willie scenarios in Black okay. It's like, oh, I got a dick uh, excuse of white folks. While, <laughs> no, we're, while we're doing this, I, I will look this up because that's it, amazing. It's, it's the, sidebar, it's, and this is apropos of absolutely nothing. Do you hear that the guy that claim that is just this is in the news had you heard about this the guy was his wife died because she's she's uh, suffocated because uh-huh. he said that his dick was so big that it oh, her. and he got off he oh, got off today that's, that's <laughs> anyway that's that's one that's horrible and two if you said he got off as a joke that's no no worse. i didn't i know i didn't i know i didn't <laughs> that was me uh no in this movie it's this movie is almost a horror film like it sounds ridiculous but this guy's dick actually grows out like an anaconda and whips around people's necks. Oh, I need this in my kills life, them. man. And uh, so you, you start. Go ahead and talk more, and I'll find it. I can I can see like the the bad shots and the lighting and people, um, you know, getting in in set cuts that are already in the movie and I haven't seen the movie. And just like uh, <laughs> you know, and, and creature flicks, they only show parts of the appendix. So you see the tip of the dick. Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, uh, Gary mentioned Dolomite, and I, I don't want to. I didn't want to just breeze by Dolomite. Dolomite, first of all, was important, I think, because it 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 proved that anyone could try could be sold as a martial arts. Yes. You know. Yes. And uh, uh, you know, there was he, that was Rudy Ray Moore's jam for a long time, just making Dolomite movies. Okay, yeah. this, this was a movie called Welcome Home, Brother Charles. It was made in 1975. Um, let me see here. For, here's the, the, the just, I'm not going to, you know, do a whole summary, but um, proud black man does time in jail where he's subjected to heinous experiments. Uh-oh. One of which is Robo dick. that his dick can grow out and kill people. Um, I would love to see the scientists that they had portray that guy. 
I need to see this movie. Uh, yeah, uh, I will. I will find the trailer and put it up so that we can you can at least see the trailer and decide if it's something that you want to see. It sounds like stuff like Killer Condom and and Teeth. But and the, and well, Teeth. Yeah, I mean, as re- here's the thing: is as ridiculous as this this premise is. The backstory is plausible. Well, the, not only the is the is as the backstory plausible as the incredible two headed transplant. No, they treat it completely straight. Do they really? Yeah, this is a this is a straight film. <laughs> it is not a comedy. Um, how do you how do you you're on set? You've got a, a prosthetic dick wrapped around your throat, right. and you're strangling, but you're taking his ears. <laughs> I just don't see that the dick thing is implausible. The experiments they put on black men. Um, we know like, for well, sure, oh. for sure. Yeah, Tus- absolutely. Tuskegee and you know all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, one of the other names, our uh, uh, group, group films, I want to talk about that I wait, wait, wait. Before we move on, oh, Dol- Dol- sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Real quick, real quick. Just uh, you know, Rudy Roy made a movie in China at a Buddhist monastery, right? <laughs> like it was like it came out like maybe fifteen years ago. He's hella old, and he's just kind of hanging out with. Uh, with Shaolin monks and and then like he has other people fight that and the movie's terrible. It's it's like is it, it's, is, no. it a is it a martial arts film? Yes, really. Yes, he just hangs out. Yeah, it's like Bo- Dolomite goes to China or something, and he like he hangs out with and, and tries to learn some new technique from an old Chinese uh, uh, Shaolin monk. Man, isn't this a Steven Seagal film? It sounds like a Steven Seagal. <laughs> no, man, I, I promise you, man, it's Dolomite, and he's in China, man, and he, he was literally in China. Like somebody took him there, took Rudy Rudy Raymore there, and put him there. And I was like, yo, after all the shit you've been through in your career, you get this. You just. I He's a hero, man. He's just a hero to me, man. Yeah. I want a I want a book written by the PA in China that had to leave Rudy Ray Moore around. I'm pretty sure that there was the same guy that was the the DP <laughs> and the and the sound guy, man. So the, from the quality of the film, you know. Uh, but go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Well, I, I wanted to get back to Street Fight, man. That is that's a mind fucking film. If you want to talk black exploitation. Through the lens of a white animator, uh, with the help of famous black exploitation people of the time, to make a highly controversial product that is still like if you watch it, you're like, man, I don't know if it's good or bad. I, I don't, you know, like I mean, you know, you know, there's something very complex. going on. There, you know, there's something going on if you're watching something and you recognize that it's good, but mm-hmm. it makes you uncomfortable. Sure. It's a cinematic equivalent of a Faulkner novel. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are all laughing, but I don't even know what that means. Uh, <laughs> I'll say this about Coonskin. It, it, uh, the, what I got here is Br'er Fox, Br'er Rabbit, and Br'er Bear in a black exploitation parody of Disney's Song of the South features Barry White as Br'er Bear. Yeah, yeah, man. Philip Michael Thomas is great. Right. Yep. Philip Michael Thomas was Black Rabbit, and, and Scatman Cutters was... Uh, was either the guy telling the story, the narrator, or Preacher Fox? Yeah. Uh, did, did the song "Walk On, Niggas"? Walk On. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I just showed uh, some of "Song of the South" to someone who'd never seen it before, and the look of horror on their face was so if, classic. If you guys never seen Coonskin, man, I'm yeah, pretty sure it's, it's that same yeah. sort of animation style that a lot of before 
uh, Bakshi found mo- um, rotoscope. Rotoscope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the other films I wanted to talk about real briefly were uh, the Bill Cosby City Poitier movies. Um, Uptown Saturday Night. Let's do it again. Yeah. A piece of the action. I just saw. Oh man, Robert's making a one of those slit throat motions. Hate, you hate those I movies? I hated Bill Cosby before hating Bill Cosby was cool. I <laughs> thought he was a fraud. I thought he was an act. I thought he was a respectability politician. I thought that um, Uptown Saturday Night was corny. I thought that um, I thought that mm. the ensemble was dope. But I just thought that like Bill, you know, I mean, no, he was dope, man, from Uncle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To that's fair. Credit where credits due. He was pretty cool, yeah, with Matt. And fair. I would, and I would say that that Fat Albert is yeah. was important. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll give him credit for that. That's yeah. Cool. Oh, absolutely. And and I'm going to also say that all the early comedy albums were solid. It's you know. It's, oh, his stand up. Yeah, his yeah, early stand up stuff was funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To a point. To a like, point. Like, Come on. He sells his niceness. Absolutely. When he sells. I mean. That's true. That that's true. Yeah, and it, and it's sad to have growing up like he was an important stand up in, in in my world anyway. Right. And then, and then later you kind of go, oh, all that was going on. That's yeah. something. It did, you know, and that's that that might be a topic for a different show. But it, you know, but it, it 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 comes up all the time where you have somebody who you like their work. Yeah, you know, it's Polanski. But then they they do something in their real life. And, it's and, Polanski. It's yeah, James it's, Woods. Exactly. It's, Where do you right. draw the line? It's like, do I boycott their it's stuff? It's Mel Gibson. Do I, exactly. Right. It's separating the artist from the Mike. art. Yeah, it's Mike. a tough one. But on the other Mike. hand, I I'm willing to bet that if you met Rembrandt, that guy was a dick. Right. So Mike. here's here's what I was saying. They're say. artists, so we're all dicks. Go ahead. That um that 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 I'm like I'm aware that like. There's there's so many you know you, you have to separate the artist from the art, I uh, you know because like you know Marvin Gaye had his demons like every like you have to separate the artist from their art. But my thing with Bill Cosby is that like so much of Bill Cosby's art was Bill Cosby selling you know just you know it, I'm America's dad and selling family values mm-hmm. and selling niceness. Like, my thing isn't, like, you know, separate, you know, there's artists, you know, I'm the biggest, I'm a poet, I'm, like, I'm the biggest Philip Larkin fan. Philip Larkin said racist things in his letters. It doesn't have a damn thing to do with his poetry. It's like, so, like, you have to make that separation. Because when the art is separated from the demons, you have to make that separation. Bill Cosby, the art isn't separated from the demons as much. Mm. Gotcha. Mm. I was going to say, you know, uh, me thinking about Bill Cosby in, in as a in, in a certain light growing up is uh, is a white kid seeing Bill Cosby mm-hmm. uh, growing up, and I can see where some people might think that he's playing to he's playing to a white audience. White expectation, yeah. sure, yeah, 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 yeah. sure, sure. Uh, 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 another film I'm going to throw out there. I, I mentioned the Bill Cosby City Point Defense because they're a, they're a touchstone for some people, and some right. people really enjoyed them yeah i looking at uptown saturday night the, uh yesterday a, a couple of scenes of it, it i agree with you robert it is really hokey and really sort of you know just a side of of uh of, uh insulting and offensive mm. anyway um another film i want to bring up before we go too far is bamboo gods and iron men uh great 1974 low budget super just super fun um, uh, doesn't get a lot of talk about. 
I've never heard of it. Oh, it's great. I did a there's a review up on my website of it. It was one of the 366 last year. One of my favorite and uh, so the, another uh, not a surprise. Um, one of my favorite actors from this time, um, for a completely different reason, is uh, Ron Van Cleef. Oh yeah, the Black Dragon. Yeah 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Ron's characters. Um, didn't take shit much like Jim Kelly's didn't, but in a completely different way. Wait, did Ron Van Cleef have a handlebar mustache? Um, no, no, I don't. No, no, no. Not a handlebar, but like a, a, a black man's Fu Manchu. Yeah, yeah, but what is Fu Manchu? Think about it. Think, think about this. See if this strikes an image with you. There's a guy, big, muscly, you know, really in shape guy, fighting. Kung Fu, wearing just uh, denim overalls. So it's no shirt, just denim overalls. I like overalls. him already. Yeah. Oh, was 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 he was he the brother that Jim Kelly was supposed to play in I'm Gonna Get You, Sucker? Oh, maybe. I don't remember, yeah. but maybe that sounds look him right. Up. He's, yeah. and when you yeah. look at this guy's face, you're going to go, oh, Ron Van Cleef. You, yeah, you totally remember. Another name I would throw right alongside him is a guy who, growing up as a kid, I just used to just stare pie-eyed at Woody Strode. Man, Woody Big. Strode. Woody Strode goes deep. Like yeah. Woody Strode was like was one of the first people to integrate um, uh, the like the Pac-10, and he like he was he was doing action. In the fifties and shit. So oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, professionals. We always bring up the professionals. Yeah. He's, he's a seminal member, and it's and it's not. There's not a lot of like second class citizen stuff going on there no. either. Um, he was also in uh, Spartacus. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he was, I, he was one of those guys that immediately elevated a movie. Mm-hmm. Even if he was just standing around. Yeah, movie helper. Yeah, man. And, uh, and uh, he Absolutely. was he was one of those guys. All right, come on, guys, give me some titles. Um, like um, yeah, that's dead air. <laughs> has anyone seen sorry. Has anyone seen JD's Revenge? Oh yeah, yeah. Nineteen seventy six. The ghost of a black pimp invades. It's kind of like uh, the Exorcist yeah. ripoff, Abby. Blake Terman. Say again. Glenn Terman and um and 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 um. Bald uh, Louis Gossett Jr. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 I just saw it a month ago. I, Much yeah, like it is. A- Abby is an exploitation of The Exorcist, and it's kind of like a male equivalent of that, where a normal, upstanding, upstanding citizen suddenly gets possessed by the ghost of a, this, this dead pimp called JD, and it's and it's it's wild. It's pretty wild. Is it funny? It's it's just sort of like wow, like uh, wow. It um it's 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 worth watching. It's it's not necessarily funny, um but it's but it's worth watching. I've never seen Abby. I've heard so many stories about Abby. Abby's on YouTube. It's It's on on YouTube. YouTube Yeah, yeah, yeah. That and Sugar Hill both are on. I've seen them on YouTube. You can find. I keep saying this. I find all sorts of stuff. I just watched a Spaghetti Western the other night, and the crows will dig your grave, and it was terrible, but. I'd never seen it, so it, it wasn't something that you'd catch at the store. Yeah, you you'd never you, see. You'd that. have to know Netflix what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, once again, 
Type in the genre you're looking for, and then type in full movie, and a Wonderland just opens right. up. It's pretty. You also funny. get those ones that are that are just links to somebody's monetary site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. Let's see what else. I I, I want to bring up something called Eight Millimeter Jones. What? Oh <laughs> man. <laughs> Why am I the only one? Like I, everyone's hip to this. It's, I yeah, have no it, idea. It was uh, it was for Trailer Wars. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we we made a black exploitation film kind of man about a about a black director in Bellingham in the seventies. It was played by our friend Manus, and uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. We we had the Ku Klux Klan in it, of course, and we shot them. And, you know, uh, it was a good time. A lot of dive turkey and that kind of stuff going on. Oh, what about Blackenstein, man? What? Blackenstein. <laughs> Blackenstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a Vietnam veteran who loses his arms and legs when he steps on a landmine. But a brilliant surgeon is able to attach new limbs. Unfortunately, an insanely jealous assistant uh, who has fallen in love with Eddie's fiance switches Eddie's DNA injections, transforming him into a gigantic killer. So. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, uh, once, once Blackula flew, sure. That's where you get all of that stuff that. Uh, Blackenstein, uh, Doctor Jekyll. There was a Doctor Jekyll and Mister Black. Mr. Black. Hey, man. Now I don't. I don't know that brother's name, but he was in Revenge of the Nerds. Is like the Bernie Casey. Yes. Yeah. Bernie Casey was a uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Black, and he killed it. I was gonna say that. You know, he put some green contacts in on that guy, and he's ready to go. Another. <laughs> 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 uh, I mean, like my like. There's just a part where a pimp throws a hat at him, like. You know, because the Kung Fu was the thing of the time, right? And he's like, don't worry, ladies, I got this. And he throws a hat at him like, what, what is your hat going to do, man? And, you know, like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's Mr. Black. You know, he's like this huge monster dude. And your pimp hat doesn't have razor blades on it or anything. You're not like a guy from James Bond or anything. So it, it's definitely ridiculous fun. Would yeah. you say that, um, uh, one, would you say that we have equivalent of these films in any way now? Um, and whether we do or don't, who is working now that would be the closest thing to somebody, a hero that we would have had you know, in, in, in these In a weird movies? way, I would probably argue, for example, um, the, uh, Denzel and the Equalizer is kind of a, a, a its own black superhero movie. Clearly, you, I'm, on, I'm alone in that. No, I... I no, 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 I, I think the Equalizer. I'm I, trying I, to think... I, I'm trying to think but of that's how just, it's not a white dude, man, and from the '80s. But he makes it. He he gives it his own flavor. The Equalizer, you know, the the, the white Equalizer is not as the white Equalizer was pretty legit. Right? He was pretty legit, but he's not as legit as Denzel's Equalizer. I don't know. I don't. I've seen a few of those. White Equalizer. I'm not hating the white Equalizer, but Denzel does an underrated job as an. Yeah, actor. I okay. think that's a that. That I said in many ways that the equalizer was a thinking man's John Wick. Yeah. 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 Uh, John Wick three goes up. Oh, well, we'll talk about it. Right okay. Um, for me, I don't know. I don't know about particular titles, but uh, I think Michael Jai White is. Mm. Um, you know, and he, and he capitalized on it whenever he made um, Black, Black Dynamite. Dynamite. Um, but I, but I think that that he is that type of an actor and he's kind of making those types of films 
Um, I just post speaking of Michael Jai White, I yeah. just posted a thing today about him. There's a great video about him talking to Kimbo Slice about telegraphing punches. Right. That's great. And this is about putting your hip into kicks and stuff. Uh-huh. And it's just a guy that knows exactly what he's fucking talking about. Right. And why that guy isn't a bigger star really befuddles me. Right. Um, he, was, I mean, he got cut out of Kill Bill. Well, he got he he. He started out with a bang as far as a big studio movie with the Tyson money. Thing, yeah. You know what I think about it? Uh, oh, yeah. Go, Go ahead. ahead. Go ahead, Gary. Mario Van Peoples, man, tried to resurge black exploitation in the, tried. the 90s with New Jack City, man. Yeah. Then there was the other Sugar Hill with uh, uh, Michael Wright and Wesley Snipes. I love Michael Yeah, Wright. there was a period in the 90s when... Uh, when uh, black crime stories, which happened to have a lot of uh, archetypical black characters or stereotypes that came up. King of New York would be one of them. Sure. Yeah. Like, I think that these aren't, they may not be black exploitation films, but they are products of that era. You well, know what I'm saying? Sure. I think this in many is, ways the black exploitation film sort of became the, the, the rap film, like New Jack City and Boys right. in the Hood and that kind of thing. Juice. Juice, right. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then once um, again, with those hood movies like uh, Boys in the Hood and Menace to Society, those are more akin to the whole Black Caesar and the Mac, mm-hmm. whereas New tale. Jack City, yeah, the cautionary tale, where New Jack City is a cautionary tale, but damn, they focus on the Flash, right? You know, and, uh, right. And that goes to one of the my problems with Superfly is you have somebody who wrote that who was not about that life. Gordon Parks Jr., the well-to-do all-son of the, the iconic filmmaker and and, and, and a cinematographer um, um, Gordon Parks, um, who created a pimp film or, or, or a coke film, and create and he also created a pimp film that just had nothing to do mm. about that life, and mm. like that that kind of that that glamorizing like the resin. That the tradition of the kind of like that that glamorizing film that's really not about that life is some something that doesn't sit with me. I'm, I'm not a censor. I'm just saying that there's things that just like if if you're not about something, like like don't like 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 don't say like don't say like don't say you're about something. Like sure, sure. It's, it's basically Vanilla Ice but with black folks. Right, right, right. <laughs> and I mean. Lon O'Neill, with his storied career, went on to play uh, the Cuban general in Red... No, not the Cuban, but the the, the, the Latino-Mexican general? In Red Dawn? In Red Dawn? Yeah. 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 Talk about some ambiguous race, like, lost in race? a mixed sauce out Yeah, right, you know yeah. So. Uh, let's see. Uh, generically, I want to say the Pam Greer films, all of the off-target ones, Friday Foster, and sure. that kind of stuff. Friday Foster is the best one for me. Absolutely. Um, uh, 73, Ganja and Hess is another one. Dwayne Jones from Night of the Living Dead is in it. It's hard to find, but it's it's worthwhile. Um, and I also want to bring up The Harder They Come. Man. Yeah, that was a, yeah. that's one that I, I wanted to, I made sure to write down. Yeah. Right. I really wanted Great film. That's a great movie. Great, great. Speaking of soundtracks. Yeah. You know, for Class. a lot of people, that was their entryway into reggae. So, so, um, t- Essentially, we're we're coming away from this, uh, and Tom's going to give us another title. Go ahead. I, I was going to say we're going to come away from this saying whether whether you think you like these movies or not, and you haven't seen them, you're doing yourself a disservice as a film fan 
Or if you find that you've only you've only seen the hits, you've only seen um, Shaft, you've only seen Superfly, mm-hmm. you've, you know, um, you've Dig only deep. seen Uptown. So, yeah, this is a rich vein. There's a huge amount of these movies. Absolutely, this is a rich, rich vein. Yeah. Um, the last title I'm going to throw out there is one, another one I didn't want to forget, and that's uh, 1979's Penitentiary. Yeah. Oh, well, I yeah. think Leon Kennedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Penitentiary. Yeah. Man, you should just do a show on those. <laughs> <laughs> that whole series. <laughs> so great. Yeah, Penitent- that, we talked about Penitentiary last week on the sports. Yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, we did. Sports. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if that's a sports movie, but um, yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, that gave me a healthy fear of the pen, man. Did anyone see Superfly TNT? It was made. Yeah, where he goes to Europe. <laughs> Does he go to Europe? Yeah, man. It's so stupid. Slapping Euro trash around. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah. pretty dumb, man. It is pretty dumb. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. I'm, I'm going to flip through real fast and see if there's anything. Uh, I, and I'll be honest, I'm skipping I'm skipping titles that make me uncomfortable. Oh. <laughs> one, that does, one that doesn't get enough love. Trouble Man. And not, yeah. and not, not just because of the soundtrack by Marvin Gaye. Like, like the idea of the, of of the detective as even more of an anti-hero, a bit of an asshole, um, uh, um, and it it gives a sort of an ambiguity that that I like. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. A couple of one. Um, Cornbread Earl and Me is a great drama that not a lot of people talk about. And was that made for t- tele- TV no, movies? No. no. And no. then uh, because uh, we were we were kind of talking about '80s films, I'm going to throw out Crush Groove. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. The um um Ollie um Ollie Brown's um, soundtrack is so dope and just yeah. I, had, I had a crush on the the, the actress. No, I mean I know Crush Groove front the back. I really? guess, uh, yeah, I guess I would classify it by expectation. Yeah. yeah. If you were to say Cooley High is like that, but yeah. Groove's pretty much yeah. like a hip-hop Cooley High. Yeah. You know, coming of age. Yeah, coming of age. All you can eat. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Here's, here's, another, here's another one. Detroit 9000. Anybody? No. Oh, Champion, Champion by Quentin Tarantino was released on video by Miramax. I was um, going to say. Alex yeah. Rocco plays an educated black detective. Uh, to investigate the theft of four hundred thousand dollars at a fundraiser. All right, clearly not. We got you know. Gary. We got the Warriors. It's not a black exploitation film exactly, but there are a lot of black exploitation elements in it. Absolutely. And it is a fine film, man. You know, because a lot of those black exploitation elements work really well. Uh, the chase was being narrated by the lady in the in the in the DJ booth. Right. The riffs. Man, the riffs will tuck, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I mean, like, they had their act together, man, and it was still in that same vein of that, that street gang vibe, you know what I mean? So Here's one, Truck Turner. Truck yeah. Turner. Yeah, that's great. That's a great one. Isaac Hayes. Yafikoto Cuddles in that, too. Also Yafikoto. Yeah. Here's a... Go ahead. That that kind of working class, working man's vibe that... That, that the antithesis to the sort of the glamour stuff you you see in that movie. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when I talked about 
pick the hard ride or some bullshit like that. I was absolutely wrong. The name of the film I was talking about was Three the Hard Way. Fred Williamson, Jim Kelly, Jim Brown. Yeah, and... Uh, uh, on a Western. Louis Neglia is a bad guy in it. Directed by Gordon Parks Jr. Uh, yeah, that's a great I, one. Yeah. I read... Um, uh, I wrote a parody of that called Three the Nerd Way, and it's some <laughs> and it's and it's, and it's in some computer of mine. Right on. Um, here's another one: Passion Plantation, aka Black Emmanuel, White Emmanuel, uh, a blend of the Mandingo and Emmanuel films, um, featuring. I am familiar with the Emmanuel films. Those are my four forays to the sauce. Right. <laughs> uh, another one, Velvet Smooth. Johnny Hilda's titular Velvet Smooth, a female private eye hired to infiltrate the criminal underworld. I just like the title. I want to be known as. From now on, I'm going to be known here's as Velvet what, Smooth. Here, here's here's one that um is so is so goddamn ridiculous, but it's funny to watch. Black shampoo. Yeah. <laughs> it, and you know what? They don't they don't bury the lead at all. It is no. literally black shampoo. It is just it is it, it just a more a more gangster. I'll instantly need more silly version of shampoo. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Here's a couple of more. Um, Death Dimension, an action martial arts film by Al Adamson, starring Jim Kelly, Harold Sakata, George Lazenby, and Aldo Ray. Movie goes uh, also goes by the name Death Dimensions, Freeze Bomb, Icy Death, The Kill Factor, and Black Eliminator. The plot revolves around a scientist, Professor Mason, who has invented a powerful freezing bomb for a gangster leader named the Pig. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And then finally, another one that I'm going to mention, 1996's Original Gangsters. Yep. Uh, Pam Greer, Richard Roundtree, Fred Williams, Williamson, Brown. Yep. Yeah, that's a great one. All right. Uh, let's also throw out one more just because, two more, just because. Number one, Undercover Brother. I got love for Undercover Brother. I love Undercover Brother. I mean, Dave Chappelle, when he's like, I can't even, I'm sleeping, sleeping on a mattress, I can't even afford weed, y'all giving this white boy scholarships? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dave Chappelle fun. rips in that movie, and I just yeah. love it's Black Dynamite before Black Dynamite. Right. Um, I love the relationship to mayonnaise. I love Denise Richards showing up in uh, white leather with her hair all pooped out, and being called the White Devil. She was fine. She was fine. <laughs> she was fine. And Eddie Griffin has never been more palatable. Chris Kattan's in mm -hmm. it. Um, and then the other one, um, we're going to go out on this one last title. Okay. Written mostly by comedians like Louis C.K. and Chris Rock and all of those oh. kind of guys. Pootie Tang. Samate. I love, I could Sate, kiss you man. on the mouth yeah. for saying that. <laughs> Pootie Tang is one of those movies that, like, completely bombed. But mm. it's it's got such a pedigree. Like, everyone involved. Hey, David Tell helped write it. Louis C.K. Like, it should have been great. Should have been well, great. Man, I yeah. still reference Booty Tang. I love that. Yeah, I, I stand for Booty Tang. <laughs> yeah. I want a shirt. I stand with Booty Tang. <laughs> I stand with Booty Tang. All right. So we're going to come back with news and stuff in a minute after this break. We're going to say goodbye to, to Gary and Robert. Thanks, guys, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Much thanks love. for having us, man. Thank you. And yeah, I'm sure we'll have, you'll be back, I'm sure. Yeah. Everyone always comes back. I'll see both of you guys later. All right. We'll Thank be back too. in a minute. Um, Y'all chill, and we'll be back.
All right, so we're back. Um, and, and as promised, we're going to go through the last little bit of stuff, some news and shit. Uh, first thing um, is some deaths. We got a, got a handful this week. Um, I'll go with the obscure first. Uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski. He was a Russian foil, political foil, for mm-hmm. uh, back in the day. Right. Um, big, bushy eyebrows and, and kind of a guy. He passed. Um, we're going to gear up. Lisa Spoonauer, who played uh, Caitlin, Caitlin Bree. Bree. In Clerks, passed away. She was like forty-five. Yeah, really young. Did age. you read anything about? Why? I've not read if it was cancer. I, I, I don't know. I, my mind makes mm-hmm. jumps, but I. Given her age, that would yeah, that would make I, sense. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Dina Merrill, who was a famous. She was in Operation Petticoat and Desk Set. She was a famous sort of freshly scrubbed, right? Sort of Doris Day kind mm-hmm. of kind of person. She was she was huge. Uh, then the two big ones this year, this week, were uh, Roger Moore. Right, um, who played James Bond in The Saint and was a uh, was in a couple of uh, good uh, little roles. Like I want to say he was in Wild Geese and a couple of a couple of war films. He was in Wild Geese, and uh, you know w- wasn't my favorite Bond, but uh, as I found out, he was a lot of people's favorite Bond. Blew me away. I know, yeah, because he never quite did it for me either. Um, Especially towards the end when he got old, it was just like oh, it, it was getting very very. Um, Smirky, mm-hmm. um, very cute. winky, yeah, breaking fourth wall kind of thing. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then uh, just yesterday uh, and today, I, I had read Greg Allman of the Allman Brothers died. Right, married to Cher for a long time. Um, uh, Allman Brothers being an important band because they made this weird connection between kind of uh, fusion uh, jazz music mm-hmm. and uh, and southern fried. Rock. Yeah, you wouldn't have quote unquote southern rock right. without the Allman Brothers. Yeah, you wouldn't get to pushing that even further that that application of jazz to a country sort of uh, right. feel. You wouldn't get to things like Dixie Dregs right. and Steve Morris and all that other stuff. Yeah. So uh, Wait, huge. It's hard to to remember now, but uh, did we talk about Chris Cornell last week? I don't remember. I don't think so. I think yeah. he died like the day, the day of. Uh, I forgot Chris Cornell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah we did talk about Chris Cornell because I said something really stupid and seemingly insensitive, and I and I regretted it. Oh, okay, I, okay. So we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but Cornell, you're you're now now you're seeing. You know, I just there's a, a Nora Jones thing out where she's playing um, just a solo piano piece to uh, Black Hole Sun. Mm. That's really worth checking out. Sure. And you're really. Uh, I also just saw a video that is like him singing with all the music. It's just him solo singing. Right. You can really hear the quality of his instrument. Yeah. Really amazing stuff. Um, moving on to news, uh, a couple of things here. Uh, HBO canceled the John Stewart project. He was. They were going to ba- essentially let him set up shop at HBO in the same way they let John Oliver set up shop. Right. Right. Um, but I'm sad to see that they that isn't going to happen. Yeah. I wonder. Um, Wonder why? I don't know. He's heavily involved in the in the charity him and his wife do mm-hmm. up in upstate New York. They take care of animals mm-hmm. and farm animals, and they sort of. So it might be that, um, but it it bums me out because I like John Stewart. I yeah. miss his voice, especially in these turbulent political yeah. times. I wish he'd act more. Yeah, he's a decent actor. He's a decent actor, yeah. even though he makes a lot of jokes about you know his role in Death to Smoochie and whatever else. But he's not. He's he's yeah. He's, he's okay. Still, yeah. He was cool in the faculty. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
Elizabeth Banks is directing a reboot of Charlie's Angels, and I don't know who or who who requested this. I don't know. Uh, I didn't it, like. I was surprised the first one did well. Yeah, and it and it and it, and worse, it convinced Hollywood that why why hire martial artists when we could just do a lot of cuts and mm-hmm. you know yeah. So there's that. Um, on the other hand, Amazon announced that they're taking the Eric Bana film, Hannah, mm-hmm. and making it into a uh, series. And as, as much as I may have been skeptical about, let's say, the transition from movie to te- television series of La Femme Nikita, this, right. this seems like it might be workable mm-hmm. in a blacklist kind of way. Sure, sure. Um, so that's not that bad. Um, and then uh, Zack Snyder left um, Justice League in the middle of filming. Right. About a year ago, his daughter committed suicide, and his family's been dealing with this stuff. And it's I, I think and, it's and, and haven't been dealing with it, and that's why he's he's taken the time yeah, yeah. to. Uh, I read that he has handed over what is principal photography's done, so he's handled over editing and pulling the film together to J.J. Abrams. Uh, Joss me. Whedon. Joss Whedon, yeah. yeah. I knew when I wrote that down that that was wrong. Um, but that's good because it's in capable hands. Most of the work is already done. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to affect anything too much. No. And and uh, Whedon, like Abrams, is able to be a chameleon pretty well mm-hmm. and handle that stuff. Um, there was a screening this weekend, uh, or there's going to be the one this week, at Alamo Draft House. Uh, it's a showing of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, they're saying it's a women-only viewing, mm-hmm. and predictably the internet's losing their mind. Yeah. And I just wanted to talk about that a little bit, about how, like, why is that okay? Why is it not okay for a, a women's-only screening of a, of a pro-woman film? It's, I, it's people who, who have issues with anything like this really are just looking, they're just looking to start shit. Yeah. Um, there's there's nothing wrong with it. It's a weird move. Um, well, I I could see how, like by default, I mean like certain films, like you go to a showing of uh, Death Wish <laughs> someplace. Right. So the crowd's going to be mostly men, and and maybe, but I feel like maybe there are women that would want to see Death Wish, and maybe they won't go because they know it's going to be mostly men. So. So why not? Why uh, not have a screening? If you have a if you have a movie screening where and I've seen these before where kids are welcome, right. then why not have it for across the board? Sure. Uh, uh, I yeah, I just think you're a dope. If you have a problem with this, you're a dope. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Agreed. John Wick three is being written and could start filming by the end of the year. Wow. Um, the, the director had said in an interview he wanted it to be different. And he he doesn't want it just to be bigger. That, that gives me hope. Okay. Um, we've talked about John Wick two before. Yeah. And the, I, what I think is the ridiculousness of the tactical suit. But John Wick three, sure. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. I, and I'm dying to see the these guys do more films. Yeah. So that'll be great. Uh, Marvel. I know you hate Marvel movies, but. Marvel is talking the next 23 standalone film. The girl from Logan, the little girl from Logan. Right. Well, of course they are. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. Uh, um, there's a rich storyline there. Mm-hmm. More geeky stuff. Star Wars. Carrie Fisher was, was indeed central to the new trilogy. And when she passed, 
they're having to rethink the entire thing two films in. Wow. Yeah, and that's I don't envy that anybody that. Right. Um, and it kind of shows the footprint that she left behind. Sure. You know. Um, and I wanted to ask you: Have you ever heard of Spore? Spore. Sports horror films. Spore. Yeah. Yes, I've never heard of that as a. I I read about it this weekend, and I was like. I've never heard of that, and I thought I had my finger pretty much on this stuff. And then, then I started to think about it. Things like Battlefield Baseball is a definitely sports right. horror. You know, kind of a way... Uh, uh, um, rollerball fits in that. Sure. You know? sure so sure, sure. I thought, well, yeah, I suppose if you're going to split a hair fine enough, you're going to get there, and yeah. once you're there, you, I guess you should have yeah. a name. But I just, I'm glad to see that that wasn't just No, me. no, no. Yeah, that is a, a new term for me. Uh, Get Shorty, a TV series. No. Ray Romano is in it, and the guy from um, uh, Moon Boy. No. Yeah. No. Awful. So, so. I saw the trailer for it, and it looks really bad. Yeah. Um, and another comic book thing. Uh, New Mutant showrunner Josh Boone, who who did The Fault in Our Stars, which was a, I want to say, a, like a girl, teenage girl dying movie, and now he's doing The New Mutants. Anyway, it's applicable to our interest because he says it's a full-fledged horror film set in the X-Men universe. Hmm. He said, think Stephen King meets John Hughes. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I guess. I guess. You know, it goes, we've talked a lot about this. Long-time listeners know about how... You know the the sheer uh, numbing that happens lately with just superhero this and superhero that. Right. Um, so I'm interested, but and I didn't really care for the fault in our stars. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, trailers. Um, we'll go through these really quick. Wind River. It's the new um, Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. Elizabeth Olsen. Yeah. What'd you think of it? Um. It. Uh, it looks interesting. I definitely want to see it. It's um, written by the guy who did uh, Hell or High Water. Right. It it reminds me of a movie like that in snow. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it seems like a, they're they're after a, some sort of there's, animal. There's a mystery there. There's a, that that uh, you you're not getting everything in the in the um, in the thing. No, they're not going after an animal. They're going after a human. Okay. You're thinking of the line when she asked him, "What do you do?" And he's like, "I kill predators." Okay. He he. That's what he does. He goes out and kills wolves and things like that. And she's like, "Well, help me catch one. Help me kill a predator." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All this right. Guy. Um, and uh, I, I definitely want to see it. I don't know if I'm going to go see it in the theater, but I mean, it yeah. looks like a good, definitely a good rental. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's nice to see Jeremy Renner doing something that that isn't silly. Right. Um, they released a final trailer for Valerian and the City of the Lost Planets. Yeah. What do you say? I know. It looks amazing. It, it just looks... I, I can't imagine it on IMAX. I know. It's I, it's, it's going to be... Yeah. It's going to be... It, it, it is so colorful. It is so rich. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea what the hell the story is about. I don't yeah. know. And, it, I, and I think... I'm starting to think I'm not going to care. Yeah, I, I don't just, care either. I just want to go It feels see like, it. like kind of like Fifth Element on steroids. Yeah. Just so much to look at. Absolutely. And everything's different. And yeah. 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 I'm, looks, I'm kind of in the cool. bag. Um, trailer for a film called Paint It Black looks like a girl falls in love with a guy he commits suicide and her his mother who's a little un, unhinged a little yeah uh, and uh, is 
at least the way the trailer makes it look, she's the mom's trying to kill her. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks really dark. Yeah, and really sort of explores elements of family and 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 revenge right. and a lot of stuff. It's got the girl in it who was in uh, the lead actress was the daughter in Arrested Development. Mm. Um, but yeah. Sure. Uh, Again, and, 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 I don't know if about a movie theater, right? But I'll definitely rent it. Yeah, it's a lot of a lot of those this this time around. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, too big for the world. Really cool. I didn't even know that the Miss Olympia had gone away. I didn't either. Um, so uh, it's a documentary about uh, uh, women's bodybuilding, and mm-hmm. it looks great. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, Much like Pumping Iron, the women. Yeah. And um, I'm always fascinated. Except that by this that. is this, there's a little more controversy in this because they were kept arguing about how Arnold was responsible for their sport, women's competitive bodybuilding, kind of losing traction. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. So I guess that's what the movie. You know, that's if you want to find out what that's about, go see the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and the trailer, I just feel like I'm I'm fascinated by it because it's it's hard for mm-hmm. for anyone, and I really respect people that go that to that those extremes to to uh mold their body but also have to fight like i'm amazed i put the trailer up and i was amazed by the amount of feedback i heard back from people going oh that's gross and this and that and everything and it's like doing your artwork and knowing that the very best most people are going to think of what what you're doing is gross is kind of sad to me in a Mm -hmm. weird way sure um but yeah totally down silent man Trying to remember which one was this. I know, me too. Um, Keep talking. Silent man. But we'll come back to that. Yeah, we'll Toward a pharmacy. Look, it's a. It looks awful. It looks terrible. It looks terrible. I one of the films that I didn't put up um, in this was a thing called Ripped. It's a stoner comedy with Faison Love and um, um, uh. The Indian comic, I forget his name. Damn it. Anyway, right. it looks terrible. And it looks as terrible as this thing. It, it has Chris, what's his name, the, from the Lonely Island, Chris Sandberg, written yeah. all over it. And it is it is really annoying. It's got um, Lance Armstrong in, in, you know, supposed to be um, oh. doing... Alright, I got what Silent Man is. Yeah, doing, lo- doing, no. doing, it just it it looks awful. It does look awful. Uh, Silent Man Silent was the Man. Liam Neeson thing where he's a CIA guy, and we only see this little snippet of dialogue. It's not a full-on trailer, mm-hmm. really, um, where he's essentially threatening people without threatening. Yeah, people. one of those guys that he's threatening is the guy who plays Dexter. Yeah, and it's just very cold and calculated. It's it's essentially a long. It's like the Taken speech, right? In yeah, but it seems interesting. It seems like a kind of a political thriller. It would be like if the FBI came into your house and looked around and said, "You have a lot of nice stuff here." Be a shame <laughs> if something happened to it. That's exactly what. Yeah, because he's detailing there. about like a chain of command thing. Like yeah. I find out things and I pass them up, and we, I, you know, basically we decide who gets nailed to the wall and who doesn't. Right. Um, finally, tra- not finally, but a, a trailer film for a movie called Wonder. This just looks like a weeper. Yeah. Kid, a kid, massively, a lot of surgeries, trying to integrate into school. Based on a based on a book, mm-hmm. um, very similar to feel to say the mask, right? Um, but younger, 
Right, exactly. And it and the, it's got the guy, the kid from that 9-11 movie, so far, what I want to say, so far away and so close, or something or other. Extremely, um, extremely loud yeah, and yeah. terribly close, or yeah, vice versa. Yeah, yeah. I never did... Um, it's either, it right. He's either from that or he's from The Room, one of the two. But Julie Roberts in it, Owen Wilson's in it, and right. it just looks like it looks like a human Marley and me. Sure. <laughs> not, to, not to be a dick yeah. about it, but it just seemed like. Want to cry? It's bad. It's just like that. You want to cry? I don't want to. Come do on that. in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wish upon horror film. It, it has some. It, it, just because of the device, it, it reminds me of. Um, uh, Hellraiser. Yeah, like the box, or maybe like Ouija board, right. or some. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, it looks. It looks like a horror film. Yeah. And it doesn't look like a particularly inventive horror film, other than the initial setup. Right. Um, there was a lot of screaming going on, and then halfway through the trailer, it's like, oh, I didn't know that this would all happen. Right. Uh, clearly, you don't go to enough movies, darling. Right. But. Yeah, I, this is one that I really could not have cared less with. Yeah. Uh, and then I put on here that, I, I didn't mention this to you, but they released a Lego Marvel superheroes thing, but it's a, it was a game trailer. Um, it just looks like, it made me realize that after two films, this third Lego thing, mm-hmm. kind of over Legos. Yeah. Like the whole thing, I just don't get it. I just think it's funny enough anymore, and yeah. it's just sort of, once you get past the, huh, look, yeah. yeah. They made a block <laughs> reference. Um, so there's that. Um, have you seen anything this week that you want to talk about um, before we get out of here? Just uh, not really that I want to talk about. I went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy Part Two. Oh, okay. Did you um, like it? It's yeah. You know, it's 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 even more of the dumb, fun popcorn film, mm. making it not as good. Mm. As the first one, in my opinion, but uh, well, you lose the novelty of what's yeah, this? yeah. It's so the novelty's gone. I it, in, and there are and uh, I had a friend of mine was was talking about this, and I I went and saw it, and I agree. There's there's it's almost getting too cute. It's uh, they're they're pandering to the audience. They know everybody loves Baby Groot, mm-hmm. so Baby Groot's all over this. Sure, you know? um, and uh, you know it's a. It's a joke that the baby group thing. It's not a joke. It's that he's super cute. Mm-hmm. Um, but I get tired of it. And, and yeah, it also seems to me that stunt casting is firmly in place here. Sure. You know, let's get we'll get Stallone and we'll get Kurt Russell. Yeah. And we'll get Kurt Russell does a fine job. He's he's Kurt Russell. It, in my mind, Kurt Russell has two roles. One's kind of this smirky, mm-hmm. you know... Captain Ron. Right, yeah, exactly. And the other one is a super deadly serious... Snake Plissken. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. Those are the, his two roles. Well, yeah. this is this is kind of fun... Hey, you know, hey, son, come over here and I'll, you know... Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, so it is a nice turn when he kind of reveals himself to be the, the villain. You know, mm. Oh, movie. didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that uh, I haven't seen anything. Everything I see just makes me go, yeah, I should see that. And then, you know, like we were going to go see it this week, and then we were going to, we, then we thought, well, we'll go to the Alien Covenant instead, and then we ended up just staying home. Just not going. Yeah. <laughs> so that tells me that my level of excitement has sort of yeah. fell off. Um, anything else? Uh, no. Uh, us. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, and the Crows Will Dig Your Grave. Right. That was a uh, great title. It's a great title. Has had, I have no idea what was going on. It was very 
meandering and very non-violent. And, and I've, it's one of those things where I've never... It's always interesting to see a film literally wrap up in the last five minutes. Oh, wow. It's like the guy walks into someplace, bam, 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 boom, done, rides off into the sunset. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? But it's on YouTube and it's on my thought site. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about is we just bought um, the Logan Blu-ray. Yeah. And it's got this Logan Noir thing on it where they've made it it's black and white. Black and white and highly set, uh, saturated. It's, uh, it's not. It's not. Okay. No. In fact, that's my argument with it. With the black and chrome edition of Fury Road, they they did that. Right. They made it black and white. They upped the contrast. They right. made it super saturated and made it look... Almost other, like a different movie. Yeah. Almost otherworldly and almost like a dream yeah. or something. This... While I've heard that they had to gra- color grade or um, image grade all of all of it, mm-hmm. literally looks like they just someone just shut the color off. They went oh. to the knob for color and turned it all the way down. Right. Um, it didn't it doesn't, enhance it. Doesn't it. enhance it, and it makes me worry that we're gonna just see a lot more of this stuff, uh. and that really kind of bums me out. Yeah. Um, because I th- I like black and white, and mm-hmm. I want to, s- but I want to see you once. Once you release it in color, you've kind of given it away, kind of that right. thing. So if if you're gonna release it again, you've got to do something to it, and more than what they did here. Right. That said, rewatching Logan again, um, more solid stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, why there are problems, but it was my it was f- enjoyable. My favorite example of of this uh, releasing a black and white version of a movie. Uh, because that wasn't actually ever. I think somebody just did that, didn't they? For Fury mm-hmm. Road, it wasn't part of. It's yeah, not on the yeah, disc yeah. or anything. No, it is on the disc. It, they, I think, someone did it, and then when they they were around the so time, they were putting the disc, disc out, and Damn so <laughs> they they came and said, "Hey, I, but there's a version of it out there where yeah. it'll advertise it." Um, and uh, uh, if I remember correctly, they also weren't playing the sound, uh, the the dialogue. Really? Yeah, I think it's just music. Wow. And that's really cool because I do that have a copy cool. of it at home, but I got it off the uh, off the computer. Ah, um, but um, I like the mist. Yeah. Uh, when the they, article I read about all this that that was the one they also they mentioned. Yeah, that that's really cool. that really works because that movie works best um, as a, a like a nineteen fifties yeah. you know it's a monster is, movie. Is a monster in yeah. the fog. And uh, and so by, by making it black and white, it really helps bring that home. Let me say this: whenever I read the story, I saw it in black and white. Okay. So sure. It, 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 that it, makes sense. It was really nice to see that. Yeah, and and again, I I think certain films will support this kind of a thing, but a lot of them won't. Right. And sure. I think we're gonna just start seeing. More Man, of I this can't stuff. wait for the black and white version of Avatar. <laughs> Carol, Avatar, and the noir thing really bugs me as well because it, it implies something else. It right. implies like it's right. going to be a different film, but it's not. Yeah. So anyway, um, I think that's it. Next week it looks like I, I hate to mention guests ahead of time because we always seem to f- fuck it up. But uh, the Bracken Bra- of Bracken's basement, we're going to talk about low budget extreme horror. Sure. And uh, the Brackens, look them up on YouTube. They got some, they got some dillies out there. They do. And uh, we're gonna have them in, and they're gonna, they're, they're really excited. They're gonna sit for the whole show. So oh, be good. awesome! So that's next week. Uh, thanks again for if you're 
do us a favor if you can tell someone about the show so that we can get some more listeners and um and get our numbers up our numbers are as high as they've ever been yeah and that's been, we're very that's great yeah it's 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 I'm a happy camper. Yeah. And find us on Facebook and Twitter and all that other stuff. And uh, just send us friend requests. And there's a show page. You can find that as well. Um, but anyway, uh, we're having fun. Yeah. Uh, for the Bonus Material Podcast, I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Stay scared.